You're listening to the Hard Men Podcast, reclaiming biblical masculinity in a world of softness. This episode is brought to you by Salt and Strings Butchery in Southern Illinois. Order your custom beef today by visiting saltandstrings.com or use the link in the show notes. This episode is also brought to you by Barbell Logic, the premier online coaching service for barbell strength training. Get your first month free by signing up at barbelllogic.com slash hardmen or use the link in the show notes. Well, welcome to the Hard Men Podcast. I am your host, Eric Kahn, and very excited for today's episode. We're going to be talking with Lucas Botkin. He is the founder of T-Rex Arms, and I've followed Lucas for some time, finally got the chance to connect with him. Got some really wonderful content on social media, on Instagram, also on YouTube. We're going to include links for those in the show notes, but Lucas is an avid shooter, obviously also owns T-Rex Arms. I love his Instagram profile. It says no GED, no college degree, founded T-Rex Arms in 2013 and uh, really wonderful content, really appreciated, really what Lucas brings to the gun culture. So definitely would encourage you to check that out. He's got something like 450,000 followers, I think, on his Instagram profile. And then really they put out some amazing videos on YouTube. So I would encourage you to check those out. You can also check out their holsters. Um, really phenomenal stuff. Sidecar, if you're looking for appendix carry, is a great option. So definitely check those guys out. We're going to discuss quite a few things in this episode, including, yes, gun culture. We're going to talk about the Second Amendment. We're going to talk about how things have changed in the industry and what T-Rex Arms is doing as a company to continue to further kind of push the ball forward with gun culture. We've seen a lot of changes. John Lovell, Warrior Poet Society, people like this pushing into the realm that we're trying to address with this show as well. Masculinity, leading your families well, and really uh, guns and self-defense is really a part of that greater piece of a man's life. So definitely encouraged by the conversation. This point, I will say, sit back, buckle up, and enjoy this interview with Lucas Bakken from T-Rex Arms. Well, welcome to the Hard Man Podcast. I, of course, am your host, Eric Kahn, joined today by the man, the myth, the legend, Lucas Botkin from T-Rex Arms. Lucas, thanks for joining me today. Thanks for having me on. So we were just talking about this offline, but your platform reach company has grown tremendously over the years. I think you guys started, what, 2013? Is that right? Yeah. So we started around nine and a half years ago. We're coming up on our 10th anniversary. And uh, the reach has, I mean, back then... When I started, nobody knew who I was. I was 20 years old, little bitty Instagram account. And fast forward nine and a half years, I was looking at some of my analytics last night or the day before. Um, on my personal Instagram alone, I've reached 1.2 million accounts in the last 30 days. So around a million people in a month with the ideas, training, so whatever it happens to be that we're talking about is going out to that many people on one platform. So it's, it's pretty wild what's happened in nine years. <laughs> yeah, it's incredible. I, I wonder. 
I want to get some of the company history, your background, how you got into this and all that. But I mean, did you have any idea back then when you started that it would become as big as it is? No. And I think that's, so I've been doing a lot of research last couple years on other businesses. And I think that's something a lot of people, especially people who haven't started their own business get, have some misconceptions on. And that is, you know, when you start a company, you know, in order to start the company, you have to have, you know, this really baked vision for, you know, how big it's going to be, what it's going to do, um, exactly what products or services you're going to be offering. And the reality is there are a ton of businesses, uh, including some really big ones that you can read about that they just got started because the dudes just wanted to start their own company and work for themselves. It's like semi-accidental. Exactly. Then it morphs into, you know, computers that are used all over the world or, you know, whatever it happens to be. And that's kind of what happened with T-Rex. I had an idea for, you know, I was selling some holsters on eBay and then I thought, hey, this is kind of fun. You know, they're selling. I sold like eight. Let's start a company. I'll sell some holsters. And it wasn't until probably about three or four years after that, that I started to see the kind of impact we could have on um, the social media with the content, the you know, videos we were putting out there. And I was still growing in my own competence and my own level of, you know, knowledge that I didn't have a lot to offer back then. So that took time to bake anyway. But yeah, I definitely had no idea where this was going to go until probably a few years ago is when it really started to take shape. Um, Probably about four years ago, when we kind of got the lay of the land and realized, okay, we're here to stay. Uh, This is what we've achieved so far. The sky, I don't want to say the sky's the limit because that's a little cliche, but um, I am kind of sure. trying to see it, see it that way because, I mean, we could get into all sorts of different things um, with the business. We're not going to just pigeonhole ourselves on holsters. I mean, we do all kinds of stuff now. So a little bit of a misconception that I think some people have, um, you know, when you start a company. But uh, yeah, it's definitely grown. Just vision uh, and ambition uh, has evolved um, with the company at the same rate uh, but at the beginning, I just thought it was going to be me. <laughs> I thought I was just going to be me making holsters. So I thought. Yeah, it's crazy when you think about it. Uh, being 20 years old, I love on your Instagram, it says no GED, no college degree. So first of all, yep. you shouldn't technically be successful, Lucas. But uh, yeah, somehow you were yeah. able to do that. <laughs> um, it, it's interesting if you look back at that, that period. I've started a couple businesses myself. Um, I always look back and I say, man, there's so many things I wish I would have known back then as a younger guy. Part of it is just the masculine need. Like you have to take risk and you're not going to know all the answers. Uh, But if if you look back at that time period and everything you learned from it, I guess what what are the maybe top three, something like that takeaways that you would you would tell yourself? Like these are the biggest lessons I learned. I flew by the seat of my pants a lot, which (laughs) thankfully worked (laughs) in most cases. If I had slowed, maybe not slowed down, if I had decided, if I had realized, hey, I need to probably read a little bit, I need to do some study. And this is a, a thing that I tell people. There's a lot of folks out there, there's this balance of studying and doing. And there's a lot of people out there who spend 99% of their time studying uh, and like 1% doing. They read yep. about the thing, they watch YouTube about the thing. Until you get out and do, the study is it's pretty useless at some point unless you start actioning it. My problem was I was like 99% do and like 1% study. Um, I was not studying business, how to form a business legally, all the paperwork, taxes. I I was just all all in the day-to-day work of the job. And so one thing for me is probably after the first six months uh, or a year would have been hey, I need to slow down a little bit, spend a little less time on Instagram, maybe marketing and spend some time just learning business because that's what I'm doing. 
Thankfully, I had some guys come on board who were able to kind of focus on that instead. So I could keep focusing on Instagram and marketing and the product, which is, it's how this ended up working. Um, But without those people, the company would probably look a lot different today because I would have run into those troubles probably two years in that I don't know the the business stuff and I need to know it because no one else is really helping with that. So that's one of the biggest takeaways is trying to balance some of the doing and studying because it's real easy that first year in business to just be doing and just be getting your hands dirty. Um, that's why a lot of entrepreneurs like the first year. The first year is exciting. There's a lot, there's no shortage of work that you can do. But for me, it would have been really good to slow down and actually do a little bit of study. That's actually probably the biggest one. The, the other one was just professional development uh, outside of even just that. I understood it was important, which is why I, I, I focused on the shooting aspect of my job because I knew this will correlate to the product that I'm designing and making. So I'm going to focus on getting really good at shooting. That was the correct thing to do. I would definitely, 10 out of 10, would do that again. But there's other parts of the job that I would have been a little more um, detail-oriented on in studying the subject more thoroughly of shooting and firearms. Again, it was all doing, not a lot of studying um, specifics of you know firearms and exactly what they do. I just wanted to get out there and pull triggers and learn how to pull tr- triggers really good. And that's kind of how I still am. I still like to shoot and I don't, I don't like knowing exactly how often I have to clean the gun or certain specifics or, you know, whatever. I prefer knowing how to race the race car really well, not how to take it apart. That's something I could have done better early on as well. But yeah, I I think that the biggest one is just balancing some studying in with the doing, which is really easy to bypass as a new business owner. Yeah, it's really interesting, too, because a lot of that is, like you said before, it's a learning curve. Uh, Even if you do go to school, I mean, guys... You, oh yeah. You get into the job and this is where I've learned in startups that I've done. It's like, okay, in in many ways just toss your MBA because this is now we're in the realm of like, you know, praxis. You got to figure out how to do this stuff on the fly. I'm curious though, one of the things that uh kind of sets your account apart at least in my mind from a lot of other companies in the industry space. I've worked with a lot of them on the magazine gun media side, but not all of them. Not everybody in the industry is in it because they love shooting because they, you know, love to actually use the products. So I'm curious for you at what point, like, was it before you started the company? Um, were you into shooting? And then second of all, it seems like at some point, like your feed is like a lot of times I'm like, it's like watching Terran tactical. I mean, like you're actually running the courses and doing this stuff. It's not, seems like something you would have to actually be passionate about. Oh, for sure. So when, right when I, so before I started uh, T-Rex, I was, making some stuff and selling it on eBay. But before then, I was consuming media, uh, really the first of its kind that was decent. Uh, the Magpul Dynamics videos that came out in like 2010, yeah. I think it was. Um, nicely produced videos, really the, the first of its class. You know, training videos are like two hours long. I was watching those pretty regularly and then getting out and training. Well, I was plinking. I didn't have a real good idea of what to do. But I was very interested in firearms. But again, my passion for firearms training and shooting and shooting to a high level that evolved at the same pace of the company. As the company got Mm. bigger, my desire for being even better at running the gun or getting into uh, shooting, you know, certain disciplines or whatever uh, that grew at the same time because it was very much, it was very much a learning progression. Cause I remember even the first year I decided, Hey, I need to go shoot matches to learn. It's a great way to learn. And I need to learn this side of the industry. So I started going to matches and then my training evolved personally, like on the side, the kinds of drills I would shoot and stuff like that. And then 
I, then later I got more ammo. Then later I bought some different kinds of guns. And so, and then later I bought night vision. So it just slowly evolved with the company at the same time. So I am very passionate about shooting as a hard skill. There's a lot of other skills in my space that I'm not as passionate about, or I haven't spent a lot of time on. The shooting one has been just, it is still a passion for me, even being as good as I can be with the little amount of time that I, I can put into it on my own. Uh, and now I'm learning long range, which is just another discipline inside of you know, shooting guns in general, that's going to take up a bit of time the next few years learning that because I am brand spanking new to all I know is target far away, aim higher. That's about what I know or about what I knew (laughs) a few months ago. I know a little more now, but that's evolved too with the company. It's, it is fun though. Well, it's kind of funny. It's, it has become a little more of a job. You know, every week I've got to go film some videos for Instagram, for YouTube, for whatever. And, you know, I'll go into the armory, build some stuff out. And I'm not going to complain that it's not you know, it's, it's a cool job. It's a great job. It's my dream job, but it's not, it doesn't have the, the fun aspect to shooting, uh, that it did like six years ago. A lot of it now is yes. what do I need to accomplish? What drills do I need to do? Uh, what level of performance am I looking for? I execute, I do it all in one, maybe two takes. And then I'm like, cool, it's four o'clock. Uh, it's time to head back. And it's all very scheduled and regimented. So it's not like yes. fun, like a lot of people have, but I mean, I'll still take it over a lot of other jobs out there for sure. But yeah. once you do something enough, it does lose some of its enjoyment um, to some extent. And I think a lot of people, yeah, they, they, it's exactly right. A lot of people don't realize like it's actually a lot of work. Uh, I found that out working for gun magazines. It was like, yeah, we're, we're super lucky. We're super fortunate. We get to go train. We're, we're being paid to go train and write about it. But at the same time, it's like it really is. It's a grind. It's a work like filming particularly is uh, difficult. We used to do some actually long range shooting TV shows. And it was like, I got done with like three days of filming. And I was like, yeah, I, I'm not sure that I want to do this full time. It's, it's a, it's a workload. So it's interesting. It, it's interesting to me because when you look at stuff like, okay, making the gun industry, uh, part of your professional life, then you switch to the company, the company's come a long way. A lot of people at this point where you guys are, will tend to look back and they will say, okay, so this was like an overnight success. Like it came easy. There's these break breakthrough watershed moments that you guys have had. It was great. But I bet if you, if people knew the backstory, they would probably say, you would probably say there's really no such thing as an overnight success. So I'm just curious, was there a long time where you felt like, Hey, we're working and grinding and we're not seeing those results. So this is (laughs) no. And here's why. And this is, this is hilarious until last year. We have never set a sales goal. So, and even then, no, uh, and even then it was loose, super loose. Um, it wasn't like, yes, quarter, we got to hit this, you know? So because that wasn't our goal from the beginning, our goal, you know, our, my goal was always maximum amount of influence, help people, educate them. Um, it, it was never really, I, I just got out of a meeting earlier. We were talking about marketing and I basically we were talking about the difference between marketing a brand and marketing a product. We've never really marketed product. We've always marketed the brand and the idea that is T-Rex. And because that's been the sort of the goal, whether we had it written on paper or it was just kind of up in, you know, up in the back of my mind, uh, there was never a time where I was like, man, we're supposed to have 100,000 followers now and we're, we've only got 30. Because the entire time it was just, I'm going to use what we have to get the job done and we're going to slowly grow and get there. So I never really knew, I never really... Um, set like a sales goal or like a follower goal to pursue to then feel discouraged by because we weren't there. 
So again, I'm not saying that that's a good thing for other companies to do, like setting sales goals and, and, and follower goals yeah. or like goals for your newsletter. Like that's all really important stuff. But that is one element to our success or just our history that we haven't done for years. But I think that's also allowed us to focus more on the day-to-day work and not worry about, you know, not hitting that mark, especially with things that are harder to control, like uh, the public. Like it's very hard. It's very hard to control, like if the algorithm's going to favor you this week, if YouTube's going to deplatform you. Um, sales goals can depending on your area of business can be a little easier to control in some ways than relying on social media platforms and the whims of people and trends. So it was probably a good thing. We didn't set crazy goals like that early on. I mean, right now, uh, my personal, like our, our T-Rex Instagram is like 407,000. My personal is like 440 or something like that. I don't know where the plateau is. I used to think the plateau was a quarter mil, uh, 250,000. I'm obviously way past that. So I'm not even setting a goal like I want to hit 500,000 by the end of 2023 because I don't know if that's realistic. Um, Maybe 700,000 total is more realistic. Maybe I'll get nuked in six months. I've been nuked once before. (laughs) There's just a lot of unknowns like that. And so um, I do think it's important to be careful with some of those goals, especially with social media. And just work with what you have and uh, maximize it to the best of your ability. And if you're doing a good job focusing on that and not focusing on just being popular, what we've noticed is people will follow your brand and watch what you're doing because they can tell you're not just trying to sell. You're not just trying to make a buck. You're not just trying to get as viral as possible. Uh, you're there for the long game. And I think that's why we've done, uh, we've done a good job sort of taking the narrow road, the straight and narrow that's long-term success and not chasing short-term little wins here and there because uh, only 3% of businesses make it past 10 years. It may actually be less than that now. And we're just coming up on 10 and we should be fine. We should get past that with no problems. And I think it's just because of our business habits that we've created over the last few years, really since the beginning of uh, not looking for those short wins, but looking for that long-term, really trying to play the game uh, in a long-term way. As a global study from 2021 pointed out, People who lift weights just 30 to 60 minutes per week increase their lifespan by up to 20%. You heard that right, 20%. Other studies have shown that strength is one of the factors tied most directly to increasing your longevity. Interestingly enough, this holds true at any age. In other words, whether you're 18 or 87, you greatly increase your chance of living longer simply by doing some form of strength training. Speaking of which, I've been lifting weights through Barbell Logic online coaching for about nine weeks now. I'm working with my trainer, Matt Reynolds, three workouts per week, and I've increased my deadlift and squat by over 100 pounds, and that's just nine weeks. My bench press has increased by almost 50 pounds. I've never had weightlifting coaching, but with custom-tailored workouts and constant feedback from Matt after my workouts, I've been able to improve form, increase weight, and grow much stronger in a very short period of time. My deadlift is now up over 285 pounds, my squat is over 275 pounds, and my bench press is over 220 pounds. Are you ready to improve your strength, get in better shape, and increase the number of productive years, God willing, that you have on earth? Well, sign up today for Barbell Logic's online coaching, and your first month is always free. They'll pair you with the right coach to meet your training needs, so visit barbelllogic.com slash hardmen to get paired with a coach today and start your weightlifting program. You can also check the link in the show notes. Yeah, it's really interesting. You mentioned like kind of the brand identity, um, having something that people resonate with. 
Um, it's interesting because there's actually, a, there's a lot of holster companies and I know you guys do more than that as well, but what, I guess what sets you guys apart, what do you think is stuck and resonated with people about T-Rex? I think the, the first thing that stood out to people was I didn't fit any norms within the gun industry. I'm not a veteran. I'm not a big beefed tattooed guy with a beard constantly saying brother, <laughs> yeah. you know, I, like I, I, didn't, yeah. I didn't fit any of the norms in the industry. People could see I was very passionate about what I was doing. Our customer service was really good. Like we were really trying to take care of the customer to the point of losing money, you know, for replacing uh, equipment or, you know, whatever it happens to be. Uh, we were constantly improving the product, with, which a lot of companies don't necessarily do. It was just a lot of those things all combined. And then once I possessed an amount of um, competence with shooting that I could actually give back, and then we gave back free education. There were just a lot of value adds to the brand and we were consistent enough in it that people could look at T-Rex and go, T-Rex arms, they're a known you know, quantity. We know what we're going to get from this company. Yes, it's run by this young goober dude that doesn't fit any norms, but they've got good customer service. They ship the product really fast. They make a good product. They demo the product. Uh, they show performance on demand. They're genuine. And that's ultimately what it comes down to for brands is is the second you lose some of that genuineness, people just, all they can do for the next few years while you build it back is question the brand. And I would rather people take that time, you know, uh, thinking about all the good things that we do than questioning like, what is T-Rex Arms? What do they do? Why are they posting this stuff now? What's this new product that doesn't make sense? And I think a lot of brands don't take that into consideration. Yeah. Don't give your customers an opportunity to question you. Just be consistent and do it the same for years. And that's what people will come back to instead of why did they just release a bayonet for an MLOC rail? And then now you have to answer for that for three years. Sorry, yes. guys, Lee, but that's just how it is. Um, anyway, <laughs> <laughs> those are just the facts. Um, yeah, it's interesting. It gets to kind of the question of product development. I remember uh, years ago, I think I, I was working for uh, guns and ammo at the time, but we did an article on Beretta and they talked about how you know, unlike a lot of companies, they're trying to develop products that, you know, in their mind would be around for at least a couple decades, if not longer. And it was part, part of the company history. So I, I guess when you're thinking about product development, how do you think about it? Um, you know, I, I'm guessing there's a mix of wanting to be innovative, but also wanting products that are going to be, you know, have staying power as well. So how, how do you put those things together when it's innovation plus quality and everything you guys already do well. So that's a fun one to juggle. We actually ran into that with our new sidecar that we released last year. So we, mm. we had a new design that was more or less the same principles behind the product, but it was a new way of doing it. And the discussion was, do we continue the legacy version, which is what we effectively were calling it? Some people will prefer it. Some people will like, you know, the older product because it's what they're used to. And we spent a lot of time in the conference room going back and forth because I appreciate companies, depending on what the product is, who continue selling the old version in addition to the new one. Because there might be something about the old one that is better. Or um, if it's like a rifle parts, it might be something for like a, a clone issue gun and this company doesn't make it anymore. Right. And then some people get upset about it. But then there's also the principle of, well, we want to make sure that we're providing the best value to our customers so if we know through our testing, it is a superior product, even if someone may have a preference over here, which could be potentially wrong or not a very good one, we still want to prioritize offering the best value product to the customer. And 
a lot of it comes down to it just it depends on the product. Uh, if there's enough of a difference, we may just sell both. If it's a little bit of a change, but it's actually a whole lot better than what was offered before, we'll probably nuke it. But it, for us, it has been a case by case basis in selling like a 2.0 and a 1.0 or or just moving it all to the new one. But I see a lot of companies struggle with that. And, and usually the struggle is companies go, product is already great. We don't need to do anything with it. And the danger there is after five years, other people are innovating. You'll get left behind. Sure, your product was great in 2022, but how will it hold up in 2027? And I think the, the, the goal companies really need to have is pursuing that greatest value to the customer, which it could mean price point. It could mean the quality of the product, uh, features for the product, you know, durability, whatever it happens to be. And with the sidecar, originally, we made little changes every like three months for a while that people didn't really know. It was like manufacturing stuff and nothing massive to the design. But there were 10 different, I think there were nine different versions of sidecar, like the original version before we did the big change. And we just made all those changes to make the greatest value product. So, but I think a lot of it comes down to the product and, and what variables you're looking at. I love companies that continue selling legacy versions. I just personally like that. Right. Uh, but that is hard because now you have to stock more and you have to keep producing it. You have to keep training people. And so then there's a logistical problem with that. And But yeah, we still, we don't have a philosophy per se of like, we don't have an absolute, but the main goal for us is provide the greatest value to the customer. And that's what we fall back to within that discussion. If it's easy to articulate, the new one's just better. It's 20%, 30% better than the old one kill the old one. We're just going to sell the new one. It's what people need. Right. Um, but sometimes it's not that straightforward. Sometimes it's all personal preference. And that's when it's really hard um, to decide how to do that. Yeah, that's a great point. Uh, it brings up another question, Lucas, that I have really about gun culture, kind of the 2A community. Um, because I was in that space, I, I was continually training. And it, it, I, I wrote a blog post and then did a podcast, I think it was about a year ago. And I was talking about, I said, you know, men need a capacity for violence. And uh, in our world today, that that was actually kind of controversial. I didn't think it would be at the time, but um, it, it, it made me think like on the one hand, we, we tend to think because society is safe or whatever, um, people will say, oh, you, you know, you don't need to carry a firearm and you don't need to have those skills. Obviously, a lot of people see it differently. I'm one of those people. I think you're one of those people. I've also seen a rise, though, in stuff like, uh, you know, John Lovell, the warrior poet stuff. It seems like, especially the last two years, that's kind of catching on with more people. So I want to ask you about that. Do you see that? What other trends maybe are you witnessing? Uh, any changes in the gun community? So unfortunately, there's two things all this stems from. First is mm -hmm. parents neglecting their responsibility to raise their kids properly, which we have been on the receiving end yep. for the last probably two generations or more, you could argue more of just parents not doing very good jobs with their children, their children being raised up, you know, without that uh, support structure, um, without that maturity that they could have been given. And then they perpetuate it another generation. And then you have uh, the very strategic uh, controlled um, destruction of the nuclear family uh, and on fathers specifically and that's how you have so many broken homes. You know, that's how you get people who say they have daddy issues. And so it's like, well, if you have daddy issues, maybe we need to address the father figure. Oh, but we can't address the father figure because patriarchy and oh, it's evil. But people keep saying, people keep saying daddy issues. I'm like, if they keep saying daddy issues, let's fix that. Like, let's, let's correct that. So we don't have that anymore for men yeah. and women. It's not just a thing that women can have. And um, so we have all of that happening. 
And I think a, a lot of the, you know, going straight to the discussion of, hey, men have a, a duty and a responsibility to be able to execute violence in very specific cases. Um, going straight to that and not addressing all these other things going on with just the makeup of a man and what a man is supposed to be is why people have a hard time going straight to violence, um, which is why I appreciate people like John, because they, they he will go back and talk about uh, parenting and fatherhood and just work ethic, like very basic traits that men should have before going straight to, oh yeah, you should also carry a gun, uh, know how to use it, know when to use it, um, own Air-15s and, and military-style uh, armaments for the Second Amendment and what that is. And I am seeing more people willing to have that conversation about manhood in general. And the reason for it is how hard the left has been pushing you know, going, going so far to say like, Hey, working out, uh, men working out is toxic. Uh, cause now all the gym bros go, Ooh, that's kind of weird that they're saying that maybe everything else they're saying at the same time is also a problem. And it is kind of right. funny. The left is ultimately they're radicalizing and, and weaponizing, uh, the right even more. I think they've actually done more good, uh, at waking people up, um, in our sphere than even people like John Lovell can, can do. Um, I mean, it's one reason why a lot of people say that uh, Trump won uh, the election was because of the antithesis saying all these things is why people wanted to vote for him. And I think we have something similar occurring with people willing to have that conversation about manhood because them going to the gym is now being questioned. Uh, drinking water is being questioned. Like every single thing is now being questioned as, oh, you're a man and you do that? That's toxic. And then people are starting to realize <laughs> that there's some crazy stuff going on. And they're willing to have that conversation now. Um, the one conversation I would love to see more of, though, that I don't see because uh, it requires a lot of it requires a lot of self awareness and humility uh, on the part of of men is uh, the status of their relationships and uh, marriage. Um, I don't see a whole lot of people who are willing to have that conversation, which is absolutely essential to all of us, whether you plan on getting married or you're already married and now you're you know waking up and you want to do more man stuff or whatever, like. Your relationship with your wife really, it that that really needs to come first. Like if you're if you're already married, especially, you really need to focus on that. And I don't see a lot of conversation on that. I think because it's just it's a very difficult one to have for guys to sit back and go, "Man, I'm a really crappy husband. I'm a really good shooter, but I'm a really crappy husband." Instead, they want to focus on the shooting or you know whatever it is. I would love to see more people talk about that and. And, and also the, how the relationship reciprocates because, you know, the, the, the wife has responsibility as well to the man and vice versa. Um, but we don't see a whole lot of that right now. But I have talked to a few people recently who are more open to that conversation, um, which I was really happy about. Like, hey, cool. You recognize that. And I even had one conversation with a guy because I've noticed this too. You can really, you can tell a lot about a business um, or about a, an influencer in the firearm space. You can tell a lot about who they are, what they're about, um, simply based on how they treat their wife and the status of their relationship. Mm. And we've seen, I've seen a number of people in this space who've gotten famous really fast. They had, you know, short-term massive gains and they recently got divorces. Uh, they've got broken homes. And I'm like, that kind of, that person in that environment is not going to be successful for the community long-term. Uh, they don't have a stable base. Uh, they don't have a stable platform. Maybe their standards when they got married did not align with where, what their trajectory was and what they were trying to do. And I think a lot of people really got to rewind to that, make sure the foundation and the, the stability is there um, because that will support 
starting your company, your business, your relationships with other people. And so I'd love to see more conversation there. But I think a lot of people, they're not ready to have that conversation because that is very difficult to have. Oh, big time. I mean, I, I know in my experience, a little over 10 years, you know, working in the firearms industry, one of the things is a lot of the trainers, a lot of the people in and around it. Yeah. Like you said, they're former military, uh, law enforcement. Unfortunately, both of those communities tend to have pretty severe domestic problems. Um, and I, th- I think a lot of it is just a, it seems like a problem as men just in general, where for a lot of us, it's really easy to be good at your job. Um, that seems to come more naturally. And then you're like, okay, well, I got to talk to my daughter about her boyfriend or I've got to talk to, and then you get into those spheres and it's like, well, I don't know what to do now. I mean, maybe I know how to clear a house in like 10 seconds, but I have no idea how to deal with interpersonal conflict. It is interesting too, I think, because when you think about, and, and I'm sure you guys, I'm sure you thought about this too, but when you think about, okay, if, if God's given you this opportunity to be an influencer, to have some sort of influence, whatever that is, you, you've also got to be thinking about something I don't think we tend to think about anymore in our culture, which is the character of the man. Um, you know, in, even in presidential elections, like anymore, they're like, well, I, I'm, not, I'm not electing, uh, you know, my pastor or whatever. And we're like, no, but obviously character matters. Um, so it seems like uh, a lot of this would be, uh, it'd be nice to see a return to character um, because ultimately I think the two-way community, I don't know if you'd agree with this, but I feel like it's a, uh, it's sort of like a fatherless kid at times where it's like looking for a direction. Um, we know that we're a pro two a, but what are we beyond that? And I'm not sure people generally have an answer for that. So I, I don't know. Do you, do you think that's true? I love what you're saying about character for, so people elect, like we get what we deserve, right? So when, when, uh, yeah. when you look at yeah, who yeah. represents the two way community and I've, pre- I've <laughs> preached about this quite a bit and because I've seen people say, why do we have, you know, this person and this person and this person representing us in the community, you know, going on CNN or going on talking to all these, you know, uh, different companies or writing, yeah. doing reviews and stuff. And I'm like, well, you guys kind of appointed those people by following them, buying from them, uh, not supporting the, you know, maybe the smaller channels that do have integrity, do have character. Um, you're essentially electing who's going to be representing you through uh, your support. And I think a lot of people are starting to recognize that. Um, we've had a few instances of, uh, influencers who kind of, they got thrust into positions of, of influence, uh, substantial influence simply because of how many followers they had. And pe- I think people are starting to realize, Ooh, that's, that's not great for the two way community. That's not great for our future rights. Mm. Um, we actually need people of integrity, uh, who have some moral backbone, uh, who are consistent and not just people who, you know, go hang out with celebrities. And so maybe we can make those celebrities into pro gun people and, Oh, but they actually are, you know, morally, they have a lot of problems and aren't going to be good reps for us. So I think people are starting to recognize that, but you really, you really are hitting the nail on the head that people, very few people are prioritized character over cool factor, uh, background. I mean, in our communities, especially it's someone's a former special operations guy. It doesn't matter how many divorces he's been in. It doesn't matter if he's got a sexual harassment, uh, you know, situation going on. It doesn't matter if he's killed 10 bin Ladens. He is the greatest dude that we can have representing us, uh, on Capitol Hill, uh, talking to senators and whatever doesn't matter. Anything about his personal life doesn't matter. And I just don't believe that. Um, everything from your personal life absolutely translates into your professional life, uh, more than most people realize. And, uh, 
they, they have a shaky foundation, they're probably not going to do real well in the long term anyway. Um, so those are probably not yeah. the person, the, the people that we want representing us. Um, so, but there are very few people. I mean, I've spent a lot of time trying to find those people that have character and integrity. And what I tell people is, I don't care how many Bin Laden's dudes have, you know, tracked down, hunted, killed, whatever. I just want to hang out with good people. Uh, it, they could be someone who works at Lowe's. They could be someone who's starting a business. Uh, they could be an infantry guy. Like one of my best friends is, uh, he never really deployed. Uh, he's an army sniper. He's not, he doesn't have all the cool guy creds, but I enjoy hanging out with him because he's extremely ambitious. Uh, he inspires me to be better. Uh, I could talk to him about stuff. You know, uh, we could talk about pretty serious things. We can talk about some business stuff as well. Uh, I don't care what his background is. I care who he is right now. Um, plus he has a good relationship with his wife. Um, interesting that that happens to, you know, play a part in that, but, um, he's got a good relationship with his wife. Yeah. It all goes together somehow. So, um, so I'm hoping, you know, the community can raise its standards in the future, uh, with who we elect, who we self select to represent us. And, uh, I think that's getting better. I think people are learning, unfortunately, through some hard, uh, through hard things people do learn. So I I think, I think we're, people are coming around. Yeah. And I also think through like social media, maybe you guys are a good example of this. I don't know, but just that it's given a a platform to people uh, that maybe otherwise wouldn't have. I mean, even, you know, 20 years ago, you're looking at magazines and who, who, who's, you know, going to be the celebrity. Well, that was a pretty closed door and the gatekeepers were pretty fierce. And, you know, now I think there has been a rise in like YouTube channels. Some of it, well, I don't know, maybe the majority of it is not always great, but, um, it, it definitely gives people opportunity. So I think that's there. Uh, one of the other things I want to ask you about, Lucas, is your podcast. Um, so I've been following that for a long time. One of the things that kind of intrigues me about it is, unlike a lot of people in the space, it seems like you guys are doing your homework. It seems like you're following the community. You're following you know, legislation. There's a lot of stuff on there that I, I guess people think, oh, like, is this just a podcast about holsters? It's not. So I guess... I guess philosophy behind the podcast, what are you guys trying to accomplish? Um, and, and why do you think it's so useful to be in that space? So the podcast, um, historically, uh, the one that we've been running, uh, my older brother, Isaac has been spearheading. And so he primarily talks about the things that interest him that also happen to align with the brand. It's always convenient when the people that you have are also interested in the things that the company is, but, um, you know, for us, it's, yeah. it's educating. It's, it's sort of a holistic approach. We want to educate people on the entire picture. And for us, the entire picture of um, defending freedom and liberty, uh, it's not just firearms related. You know, it, it could be um, legislation coming down on 3D printed guns, which is kind of firearms related. Uh, free speech, you know, implications, which can affect how people are educated in the future. And um, each of us have our own interests. So like my older brother, Isaac is much more interested in, uh, politics and technology than say I am. I'm more interested in say firearms and the culture influencers and marketing, all that stuff that's going on. That's a lot more of my focus. And so we have different strengths in different areas and what we're actually, I'll go ahead and give a teaser, leak it right here. Is we're actually going to be launching or relaunching a, uh, the podcast into video form 
And we're actually, I'll actually oh, nice. be going on there because re- historically Isaac's been running it. I've been doing live streams on other platforms and yeah. stuff, um, but I'll be running some of the podcasts myself. We'll have some guests who can come in. Um, it is still primarily going to be, you know, second amendment related topics and concepts, not always gun related. It could be anything inside of that sort of sphere. Um, but it is important to us to educate uh, people on the entire picture. And we've just found that podcasting is it's another medium that a lot of people like when they drive to work. Um, it's a, it's a great way of delivering a lot of information. Most people don't read nowadays. Unfortunately, even a caption on Instagram, most people don't even read it. Um, I mean, we even (laughs) noticed this is a fun one. We pulled the data from picture posts on Instagram, which was originally the purpose of the platform with text did 50% worse than our video reels in terms of how many people they would reach. So we basically just stopped posting pictures with text because people didn't really read the text. The photos are easy to get. They're, they're, they're pretty cost effective to generate, um, but they just didn't do as well. They didn't reach as many people as a video go saying the words, showing the thing, uh, you know, pictures, a thousand words, a video is probably like 10,000. I, I don't know if, I don't know if anyone's coined <laughs> yeah. that yet, but something like that. Um, so it, podcast, podcasting is just a medium that a lot of people in our generation, 18 to 35, they just, they really like, uh, they can consume it a lot more often than say reading content on Facebook or blogs or, you know, I don't know if blogs are still a thing, unfortunately, but, um, so that's, that's why we use the podcast and why we're putting more effort into it this year, uh, which I'm looking forward to. And the video side, I think will be fun because that can spawn other content in other places and YouTube and all that. So I'm looking forward to that. That'll be cool. Yeah, that's that's really exciting. I'm I'm curious if if you look back at Instagram plus maybe podcasts, if you're aware, like what are the, what are the biggest hitters in terms of content? Do you, do you, I don't know if you would know right off the top of your head, but what seems to be the stuff that like dr- yeah, driving traffic, just response from people. What seems to be pushing the needle? YouTube, sadly. Uh, yeah, it's all YouTube. Um, at least for for us, <laughs> still, it's still YouTube. YouTube. So yeah. we, I made a graphic uh, two years ago. So I was developing a, a process for what kinds of content go where. And I basically drew it out as mm-hmm. YouTube is the top end of the funnel. That is where we attract the most new people. And because the new people are finding us here, we're probably going to make our content a little less, a little less radical. You know, it's going to be guns, shooting, you know, some training stuff, a little more mainstream, you know, up here at the top end. And then we come down one layer and it's Instagram. Uh, you know, we have less followers, but people are a little more dedicated. They know a little bit more who we are so we can be a little more spicy on there. Mm -hmm. And then one layer down from that is our newsletter and then our political newsletter. And the funnel is it's a customer development funnel of educating customers and just people in general, but it's also a radicalization funnel essentially. So on the top end, it's, this is our mainstream messages and content. And then as we get to the bottom, it's, we can actually talk about the the really hard questions and, and actually send this stuff out. And even now with YouTube, they just started cracking down on some gun stuff last week. Uh, some of our content might be affected that top end of the funnel. You know, if we still have it, uh, we still have a channel. We may not be able to publish uh, some of our shooting content. We may have to transition to only survival and tech, you know, computer type stuff. And then our shooting stuff will just have to be on Instagram. And so, but overall YouTube is still the heavy hitter for, especially for us. There are some brands that don't use YouTube. They focus more on their newsletter um, or they focus more on their Instagram or print media. There's still a lot of companies that do print media, but 
for us, it's definitely YouTube. I mean, I dropped a video a day and a half ago and it's already got quarter million views. Um, and we just can't, Jeez. we just, we don't really do that with Instagram. It just functions differently. So YouTube, yeah. and it, it's tough because if that goes away, you know, in the next 12 months for uh, content creation for anything gun related, that is going to severely impact people's ability to learn just from the beginning, uh, starting at the beginning, like what is a gun? What is a pistol? How do I carry a gun? Um, it's really going to impact those people's ability uh, to get that through YouTube because a, a lot of people do and it's really helpful. So we'll see what happens. Yeah, that's that's really interesting. Uh, I, I want to transition here. I want to ask you about uh, concealed carry. This is probably one of the questions, uh, you know, after telling guys that, you know, you should be violent and have a capacity for violence, at least a controlled violence used for good, all that righteousness. But um, th the next question is like, OK, I, I want to arm myself. Um, so, so I guess if you're talking to that guy, he says, I want to arm myself. What do I do? Uh, so I guess start with just like, you know, if you're going to go the handgun route, handgun holster, what do you recommend, uh, for carry rigs? What sort of things should people be thinking about? So the first thing is why behind the carry? If in this case mm -hmm. it's, I'm a dude, I want to do my duty. I want to carry a gun. It's not just for myself. This is where I think a lot of people this really affects what kind of equipment you carry too. If your goal is to for is self-defense, so it's only protecting yourself from a gas station and someone holds you up at the gas station or at your car or something. Um, there's some equipment you can get away with that you may not need for something else. If your goal is, no, I'm carrying a gun for everyone I'm around. I don't know who they are. I don't, I don't know them. I don't know what if they're Republican, Democrat, Christian, non-Christian, doesn't matter. I'm here to protect innocent lives of whoever I'm around in public when I'm around people. Well, that will definitely yeah. change what kind of gun I carry. So for me, I carry for the sake of other people. It's very unlikely I'll be targeted, except for if someone hates my guts and I've gotten death threats. I can be targeted <laughs> for that reason. So I have that that other people yeah. maybe don't have. But overall, I'm a young dude. I'm very alert. My head's not always in my phone. People like that just don't get targeted by lawless individuals typically. I'm carrying a gun for other people around me. So if that is the case, I may have to shoot at a further distance than say five feet, you know, someone just talking to me or, or, or you know, uh, approaching me. Um, I need to have enough uh, bullets to be able to stop that type of person that might be a little bit further away. It could be multiple people. If it's an active shooter, there's a chance you'll have a rifle. So I would like to stack the odds in my favor as much as possible. So for me, it's I carry a double stack handgun that shoots nine millimeter. So it's a, a, an excellent cartridge. I'm not doing anything below nine millimeter. I can carry a good amount of bullets, 15 plus an extra mag if I need to. So for like 20, whatever. And then I always have a tourniquet on me, which is the, uh, the, the, I think it's something like 81% or 78%, something like that. Don't quote me, but somewhere in that range of preventable, preventable injuries on the battlefield. So from uh, gunshots and explosions, stuff like that, uh, can be dealt with, uh, using a tourniquet. So most injuries out there can be handled with a tourniquet. Now you might need multiple tourniquets, but one's better than nothing. So I always have one on me, um, in my sidecar, I carry with the tourniquet attachment. So it's just really easy, uh, from appendix. Uh, the reason I carry appendix is it is extremely accessible. Uh, once you get used to it, it's comfortable. It keeps, you know, when I sit down in a chair, I'm not like hitting the sides of the chair. I can drive with it. Um, it's, it's just a very effective way to carry. And more importantly, it's very accessible. Um, because at the end of the day, this kind of comes down to the why. Are you carrying to be comfortable? Are you carrying to be capable? 
And a lot of people opt for comfortable only for themselves. And that's when it might be, they only carry a small pistol with nine bullets. Uh, they, you know, don't really care. You know, they, they haven't a really comfortable carry holster, but it's not very accessible because the priorities just aren't really there. Um, and that's why the why question of like, why do you really want to be armed is so vital for people because that will dictate what kind of equipment you carry. And I don't recommend people unless you absolutely have to, maybe you work somewhere that doesn't allow you to carry a gun. You're going to do it anyway and you don't want to get caught. Um, avoid carrying tiny pistols if you can. Uh, they're just a lot harder to shoot. It's a lot harder to use as a weapon. A nice little analogy is if you, uh, if your house cat is on fire, uh, you want the biggest fire extinguisher you can get your hands on. You don't want some little dinky little fire yeah. extinguisher. And a, a gunfighter shooting is very similar. Like if I have to draw my gun, I want it to be the most shootable handgun with the most bullets I can comfortably carry. Like that's what I want. If that's why I'm carrying a gun, I want an actual weapon, not a little, a little thing. So not to say little handguns can't be lethal. They can be. But for the average person, they are a lot harder to shoot than a compact size or a full size uh, handgun. So my wife, she carries a Glock 19. Um, it's a little bit harder to conceal, but she knows she can actually shoot it a lot better. She's more capable with it. She's got 15 rounds plus one in the chamber. Um, and that's what she carries. And that's what she recommends to women if they can get away with it. Obviously, clothing dependent and whatnot. But um, the why, ask, definitely ask the why first. So my wife carries a Glock 19 and she carries that specifically for the reason that I just gave. It is easier to shoot. Um, she can carry 15 rounds. It is a more lethal weapon than usually the type of gun that gets recommended to women, which is a pink revolver with five rounds and is also you got a trigger press that's like nine pounds. Um, the goal should be a shootable gun, not just what can you wear the easiest. And so, and that's where that why question comes in is you know, if it's to be a weapon, then pick a weapon, an actual weapon. Um, so Glock 19s are my, uh, it's a great handgun. A lot of people, you can carry it pretty easily. They're very easy to shoot. I can shoot a Glock 19 about as well as a full-size handgun. Most people can. And that's where, that's like the smallest it goes for shootability before you start running into some issues with size, weight, um, slide, uh, you know, resistance with the, the action spring. Um, just Lots of other factors there, but Glock 19s, if you're new to guns listening to this, definitely check them out. They're, there's no frills, no fanciness. Uh, you're paying for a very high-quality gun that is fairly easy to conceal, very easy to shoot, and um, that you can get started that way, and it's great. Yeah, it's, uh, it's interesting because I, I have done quite a few courses at like Gunsight, um, and you go out there, and there's a lot of the 200-level the courses where they... Uh, guys will come out with like STI pistols and stuff like really high end 1911s. And it's usually like day three, a spring or something's gone wrong on the handgun. They got to take it into the shop. And one of the head trainers told me, he goes, yeah, we always tell the guys are like, look, go down to the gunsmith, swap it out for a Glock 19 and you won't have this problem again. And so there is, there is, uh, we have that, uh, you know, industry longstanding joke with the 1911s, but the Glock 19, it is fantastic. I'm curious your daily rig. What are you typically carrying? What kind of holster? Uh, you, you said you've got the tourniquet on you. Are you Glock 19? And then, and then how do you do the rest of your setup? So I've got a Glock 19 Gen 4. It's the same one I've had for like five years. That's another thing. I don't change up my carry gun all the time. Some people do. If it floats your boat, that's great. I prefer to know exactly what it is. I know what happens when it comes out of the holster. Um, I've got a Streamlight TLR7. Typically, I also carry with an X300. So it's a pistol light. 
allows me to properly identify what I'm shooting at because you don't want to shoot the wrong thing. Seeing is pretty cool. So I have a little weapon light on there, uh, which isn't, doesn't add a whole lot of discomfort. I've got a 15 round mag in the gun. I have a tourniquet that sits uh, in the holster. It's an appendix holster that has gun on one side, tourniquet on the other. So that's appendix right in front of me. Got it on right now. And then if like I'm going on a date, I'm going into Nashville or, you know, we're going out in the evening, I'll throw an extra mag in my pocket uh, sometimes. And I'll often have a flashlight as well, um, which I have used in parking lots, you know, like, up oh, there's a person over there next to my car. You accidentally shine your flashlight at them. You say you're sorry. I'm not sorry. Um, <laughs> they're not going to, they're not going to, they're not going to do anything. And yeah, then right. they're just like, oh, but it's a flashlight. Um, flashlights are great. Uh, that is something I give my wife. Like if for some reason she, you know, she's flying somewhere or she doesn't have a gun or something, it's like, at least the flashlight like that, that can do a lot, um, in those, you know, really dark where dark, you know, stuff happens, you know, um, you just have a flashlight. It's a really good idea. Um, so that's kind of my EDC loadout. It's, it, it can be a little bit, you know, a flashlight, a, a magazine, and then my holster setup, Um, and then, you know, my phones and all that other crap, but, uh, it really just comes down to your priorities and, uh, it can be done. It, the biggest issue that guys have is having to change up their wardrobe. Mm. And again, it comes down to why, you know, if your priority is you want to be armed and prepared, you're probably not wearing gym pants everywhere. Uh, it's very hard to wear equipment with that. You probably are going to need to wear jeans and like pants with belt loops. Um, you probably can't get away. I'm just going to say it looking like a slob. Sorry. Um, Dress like I a man. Clothes when I work out. That's what I he don't, said. Don't wear them anywhere else. Yeah. So, <laughs> and it goes back to the why, you know, yeah. if, if it's important to you, you might have to change your wardrobe a little bit. It's it, that's kind of what I've said the same thing too. It's like, okay, well you adjust, you know, you wear pants with a belt. Well, most men used to do that anyway. So not a big deal, but I think then you just get used to it. It's like, okay, well I have to have, you know, if even if it's appendix carry, it's like, okay, well, I'm going to have an undershirt and something over it. And not a big deal. You can make that work in summer, winter. doesn't really matter. Um, so are you, uh, you guys recommended for appendix carries at the sidecar? Yep. So our sidecar holster, okay. the nice thing with the new version, kind of like I talked about earlier, is it used to be a dedicated appendix carry only holster. So when you bought one, you could only wear an appendix. But yeah. now you can take apart the attachment that comes next to the gun and you can wear it at four o'clock, at three o'clock. Um, so you can kind of start out that way. You can then transition to appendix carry if that's what you want to do. Uh, so now one holster can do multiple things. Um, well, I might add, because not all modular holsters can be able to do that. We've made some in the past that just didn't work very well as a modular setup. Uh, but this holster does work well for four o'clock, three o'clock, small of the back, which I don't recommend. Um, and then you can obviously wear an appendix, which is what most of the people here at work are doing. Most of the people buying the sidecar, it's probably like 70% of the people buying the sidecar, if not 80% are wearing appendix. Um, they're not necessarily doing three to six o'clock carry. So that's what we recommend. And that's our, our bread and butter concealment holster that we sell. Do you guys, does it come uh, cut for optic or is that something that? Oh yeah. yeah. By default. Okay. Um, I actually think, I think, uh, and that's a pretty cool development. I think most holster companies now by default, it used to be. You had to request extra. Yeah. You had to request it. I think now that's just, everyone does it. And nobody, you don't have to pay extra for it. You don't have to, it's just baked into the, the product. Yeah. Thank no. goodness. Yeah. It is a handy feature. I think because most handguns are, you know, they're coming at least with optics ready. Uh, final question, Lucas, I want to ask you is just kind of what's next for you guys. Um, as you, as you kind of forecast as much as you possibly can. Um, I know you're doing the podcast. 
um, uh, video, that sort of thing. But product wise, what, what do you see coming down the pipeline for you? Oh, let's see. What can I leak? Um, <laughs> so right. our, 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 yeah, our nylon offerings, um, we sell some nylon products on our website and that is an area that could use a lot of development. That is an area that is currently being developed. We have a number of products that are almost ready uh, to launch that we've been testing and using uh, some pretty cool stuff. But there's a lot of other products out there uh, that I would like to produce with kind of our take because uh, I use products from everyone. We, we try to have everything in the armory. We get experience with it all. And typically what I find is like I find a product I really like, but it's missing a couple things that I would prefer. Mm. And then I find another product that's got a lot of the same things and, and all these products are more or less the same. They all do the same thing, but they all lack certain features here and there. And so typically we go, well, let's make our own, let's add in the features that we want. Let's get rid of all the stuff that we don't like. And then that's like the T-Rex, like our take on that particular type of product. So uh, there's some nylon stuff definitely in the works. Um, I know the holster development team has been working on some different projects, but primarily they're focusing on availability for uh, holsters like Ragnaroks and sidecars, you know, which new guns that you can buy holsters for. They've been doing a lot of that. Um, and then there's some uh, retail. We, we do a lot of, we're a weird company because we do manufacturing. Uh, we get things manufactured for us that we design the product for. And then we also retail other companies' products. We're kind of a weird hybrid company. There's not a lot of companies in our space that kind of do it all, uh, kind of like what we're doing. Uh, but there are some relationships that we've made with companies recently uh, for a product uh, at SHOT Show. And we've been kind of developing over time uh, for retail products that we can bring in uh, in mass quantity and support. Uh, can't say a whole lot as to what those are right now. Uh, I've been working a lot on those, um, in, including entirely new suites of products that we currently do not sell products within uh, to bring in and support. And for our brand, you know, our goal is to curate. We're not trying to sell everything. There's other companies that do that. We curate products that we believe are the greatest value to the customer that we can support with quality education and customer service. It might be a product that actually, it doesn't have great customer service from the company we're buying it from, but we know that we can do a better job. We've even had, we had one large company recently ask um, if we could do handle all their warranty. Oh, wow. We just handle for their product, we be the receiving end, dealing with all customer uh, requests. And then we send all the product over to them to get worked on every month or so. And then we just handle it because they know we can do it. So it's sometimes it's a relationship kind of like that where we can bring value to the community by offering higher quality customer service and education, kind of a it's almost like a sweet water model uh, for that company that makes a good product, but maybe doesn't have all those other systems in place. Um, and so we can kind of pick up the slack there and move their product for them. So we've got some stuff in the works for that too, which I'm really excited about. But what I'm most excited about is... Uh, the, some of the educational initiatives that we're starting this year, um, getting into some other content that's not just shooting, it's not just guns, which is historically what I do, uh, but getting some other people involved in the business to educate on uh, communications, uh, some tactics related stuff, uh, sustainment, uh, things that people should know and have to be that more well-rounded uh, Second Amendment type individual. Uh, it's not, we're not just, you know, talking concealed carry, that's very important, but it's kind of the next step from that. So I'm looking forward to getting some of that content out there, you know, relaunching our podcast. Uh, then again, I'm usually more focused and interested in the education and the content and the product, um, which I'm not a good salesman. That's the problem, but <laughs> definitely more focused on the yeah. uh, content and the education. And um, so we've got some stuff in the works there. I'm really excited about and uh, looking forward to kick that off. Yeah, that's awesome. Well, we definitely uh, will give links in the show notes, direct people to your website 
Uh, any other places? Like, where's the best place to follow that? Uh, I, I assume it'll be on YouTube and Instagram. Any other places you'd recommend following along? To learn when we're launching a new thing, the best place is actually being on our newsletter. Okay. Our newsletter is probably the best. We also have a bunch of like, we're producing exclusive content to go on there. We have an exclusive product being released this coming week, uh, available to newsletter people only. Um, by the time this is published though, it's probably already happened, but so we have some stuff like that where we get, you know, a few hundred of a product in before launching it to the entire public, we launch it to our newsletter people first so they can get in on it. Um, and in this case, I think it's a product that nobody else in the industry will have yet. We'll be the first and our newsletter will be the first on top of that. Um, so our newsletter is actually really good for those launches, those new, new products, uh, new things that are happening. Uh, but our social media to, to really follow along with how the company is growing and developing and, and the messages that are being developed, our social media is the place for that. And the podcast YouTube is, you know, we don't update, we don't have videos all the time going up on there, you know, so it's a little harder to follow the exactly what the company's doing just from our YouTube, but our Instagram accounts really are some of the best. And we haven't really done stuff with Twitter yet. There's some platforms we don't use enough of, but yeah, Instagram, uh, for my account, uh, my brother Isaac's account, and then the main company account are a, a great way to follow along with the company. And that's why they've got the followings that they do is, uh, I guess people like doing that. So that's awesome. Well, Lucas, definitely appreciate having you on the show again. We'll, uh, provide links for people where they can follow along on that stuff again. Thank you, sir. Yeah. Thanks so much for having me on. I appreciate it. Thanks again for listening to this episode of the Hard Men podcast. Again, great talking to Lucas Botkin from T-Rex Arms. Really appreciate his insights and would encourage you to check out T-Rex Arms if you're looking for a new firearm holster. Get yourself a Glock 19 if you don't have one of those and check out their sidecar holster. Um, Haven't tried one out yet, but definitely excited to do that. Really appreciate, again, what Lucas is doing with his company and all the other folks over there, wonderful folks. Uh, who are pushing the right kind of culture within the gun culture. So we appreciate those guys. If you're not yet a patron of this show, we'd encourage you to join us on Patreon for as little as $5 a month. That goes a long way to supporting the work that we're doing here at the Hard Men Podcast. We are reclaiming biblical masculinity in a world of softness. And a huge shout out to all the Patreon supporters that we do have. We appreciate you guys. We could not make this content without you. And uh, so, yeah, huge shout out. Thank you. And uh, be looking for more and more great content coming your way on the main channel here and also on Patreon. We're excited for a couple of projects. Uh, We'll be announcing those with New Christian Impress. But if you haven't yet checked out the other podcasts in our stable, encourage you to check out Bright Hearth. That's Brian Sauve and Lexi Sauve doing a podcast called Bright Hearth. And they're talking about the household. They're talking about marriage. They're talking about the marriage bed they did recently and a recent show as well. Toxic matriarchy. How about that one? Um, You're not seeing that from the mainstream media. So uh, yeah, great episode. Check that out. Uh, Again, that's Bright Hearth with Lexi and Brian. Or since it's patriarchy, I guess it's Brian and Lexi. Well, nobody flagged me on that one. Okay, also check out the Kings Hall podcast. We're releasing new episodes now. Kings Hall podcast. This season two is underway. And we are talking about fatherlessness. What's gone wrong in America? What are the symptoms? But also, what are the causes? What's going on legally and part of our system in America that's forced the culture down this just dark, dark road of feminism and toxic matriarchy? 
men are sort of getting the short end of the stick. We're going to be talking about all those things as well as what you can do to reclaim your masculinity and build a better future. So again, until next time, stay frosty, fight the good fight, act like men.